0: Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance podcast. Uh, we are really excited about today. We're in the studio. Uh, as always, you're joined by Chris and Nate. How are you doing today, Chris?
1: I cannot complain at all, my friend. How are you doing?
0: I'm, I'm doing good. And, uh, and we're joined in the studio with, uh, with good friends of ours, uh, Dan and Nicole Mashanko. So uh, say hi, friends. guys. Great, Hello. great friends.
2: Hello. Thank you for having us.
0: And uh, uh, thanks for being here, uh, really excited to have you, and uh, I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about family discipleship. And uh, we'll tell you a little bit about Dan and Nicole and why we brought them in to help us talk about that. But just before that, we just want to say uh, thanks for all our listeners. Thanks for being here and listening to us. Um, If you want to find out more about the Rebel Alliance, you can find us at www.rebelalliancemedia.com. If you're listening to this on iTunes, we'd love for you to uh, give us a five-star rating and uh, to write a review for us. That helps. And if you happen to be watching some of the videos or listening to this podcast on Facebook... Hit like, hit share, it just helps expand our audience. And we are proud members, Chris. Yes. Proud members of the Berean Media Network, uh, friends of ours from all over, uh, putting out gospel-centered podcast content. So we have uh, the Two Thieves, uh, which gets released on Thursdays. We have the Layman's Cup, which gets released on Mondays. And we get the Front Pew, which also gets released on Mondays. They're vying for that number one spot on the Monday slot.
1: They also have a Friday The espresso shot. Yeah, right. That's
0: right. The espresso shot.
1: I quite enjoy.
0: I do. It's like a little teaser,
1: like a trailer for what's coming the next Monday. Gives me something to look forward to all weekend.
0: I agree. I appreciate that. Other than church on Sunday, which you also look forward to. I do look forward to that.
1: But I look forward to that
0: all week. Nice. Good recovery. Good recovery. Good recovery. Um, Did you notice uh, on the the Laman's last episode, they were listening or they were drinking the coffee that we sent down to them? So they they had some Canada roasted coffee beans as they were enjoying and i think it was their best episode ever well can i throw that out there it was uh, the best episode the canadian coffee helps i agree right so wholeheartedly
1: i i feel like our content will get better once they actually provide us with real american barbecue and so once we have that might be
0: harder to ship up here but that is what we are fishing for so kemp if you're listening that coffee comes with a price (laughs) that price is you got to supply some barbecue for pooty and you (laughs) wow and you and me. Um, okay, so we wanted to start off with with a fun little segment, and uh, and I'm really actually looking forward to how Dan's gonna uh, participate in this segment. So we're okay. gonna start off with a, a little segment we like to call "What's Joel Saying," <laughs> and this is where we go through uh, Joel Osteen tweets from the last week, and uh, and see what he's saying, and just just kind of you know assess some of the wisdom that Mr. Osteen has for us. Wisdom. I use the word useless. I guess on radio, you can't see the air quotes I threw up around wisdom. eh? (laughs) So here's, here's a good one from four days ago. Joel says, God chose you because he knew that you could handle it. You have the courage. You have the strength. You have the anointing. You have the favor. You have God on your side. You're you're laughing, Chris. This is a serious tweet. This got retweeted 16,800 times. It clearly touched a lot of, a lot of people. It, now, it goes against Scripture a little bit, the, the idea that God chose us because we could handle it, because we're so courageous. Uh, the Bible I read tends to tell me that he chose us despite all of our sin and all of our junk. Um, so I take it you don't follow Mr. Osteen on Twitter, Dan? Not at all. He's <laughs> so man a few words. We're hoping to get him loose, loosened up before we get into the content today.
2: What is Twitter.
0: Yeah, exactly. okay.
1: They don't follow us on Twitter?
0: I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked. i away here. I, I, for, I for sure thought you were one of my 11 followers, Dan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think they listen. I think they're one of our, our seven listeners on the podcast, which yeah, is good.
0: Yeah, one of our seven listeners, but not one of our 11 followers. Okay, here's a, here's a great one. Uh, this was just tweeted yesterday by Mr. Osteen. Dan, tell me what you think of this one. Don't go around with a poor me mentality. You can be pitiful or you can be powerful but God won't let you be both. <laughs> uh, that's what do you think?
2: What am I supposed to say to that?
0: <laughs> but you're supposed to, t- how, how, did that, how did that land on your heart, Dan?
2: Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> how I, did I, it I, land on my heart? Um, I wouldn't even give it a second thought, really. <laughs> you can't
0: be pitiful, or you can be pitiful, or you can be powerful, but God won't lo- allow you to be both. What about, what about when God says, like, my strength will be made perfect in your weakness? Like, <laughs> it seems to me like this is a tension scripture is pretty okay with. You can be both pitiful and powerful by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, we're, are, are we giving two thumbs down on Osteen's uh, tweets this week? I would say so. Two thumbs down.
1: I'm just going through his Twitter right now, just. This is great comedy. <laughs> great comedy.
0: He's got almost six million listeners. Maybe we'll throw a special episode for him when he hits the six million uh, mark because he's at five point nine million right now.
1: If you're listening, Joel, we would love to have you on the show just so we can unpack some of these great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joel, if you're, if you're listening,
0: if you're listening, give us a shout at info at rebelalliancemedia.com. We'd love to have you on the show, and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about whether or not we're pitiful or powerful up here in Canada. So that's uh, that's what uh, Joel's saying this week. Um, anything you want to get off your chest, Chris?
1: About Joel, or just in general? Just in
0: general. Just in general.
1: Not really, not really anything to get off my chest this week. I've had a good week. Been tired. Um, you know, nothing to rant about right now. Feeling good. I'm just watching Joel Osteen tell me that apparently I can live my best life right now. I don't have to wait.
0: He's got a whole book on that. He, has a, he, he writes books? Somebody does and puts his name on it. Oh.
1: That's terrible. <laughs> I bet you they sell them in chapters.
0: They do. Yeah, they do. Not sure. They also sell John Piper in chapters, though, so easy. Same Easy. Actually, uh, I don't know. He would be There's in no self-help, I think, right? Self-help, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what are we actually talking about today, Chris?
1: We are talking about family discipleship. So we have, like we said, good friends of ours in the studio who, uh, have hopefully some good insights on how to do this in the home. Um, so if you don't know them, they have an army at home. So yeah, it's true. Why don't you guys start off by telling us a little bit about what your house is like?
2: A little bit about what our house is like. Well, uh, it's, um, there's a lot going on in the house, uh, we have three biological children, seven adopted children, three dogs.
0: And a partridge and a pear tree. And Yeah,
2: pretty close. <laughs> Two dead goldfish <laughs> yeah. as of last week. I mean, um, and it's just, it's a going concern. There's always something going on. It's a very active place. It's a very loud house and... Uh, Yeah, God's got us uh, just hopping all the time with something.
0: So uh, we wanted to talk about family discipleship for a lot of reasons because um, one of the things we're passionate about here at uh, Rebel Alliance is equipping Christians to engage culture with biblical worldview. And uh, and in order to do that, uh, discipleship is key, right? Growing in our faith, understanding what the Bible says. And uh, I think one of the things as I read my Bible— that the Bible is so, so clear on is that, um, the primary means of discipleship is supposed to be the family. And, uh, and so we had you guys on because I think, uh, you guys all say it because I know neither of you guys will, but I think you guys have a good grasp on this. Um, and I think you guys are doing a lot of great things in your family. So, uh, you, you told our listeners, three biological children and seven adopted children. Tell us just a little bit about uh, ages and how you got there because you kind of glossed over it, but I I, I feel like some listeners jaws dropped when you said it. So why don't you unpack that a bit for us?
3: Well, we have our our three biological children um, aged 18 through 13. And then our seven adopted kids are 10 through four. So they came in Various ways we've were foster parents first, and um, started off with newborns and had three come to us as newborns, um, all of them with um, special needs. Um, all three of them were were drug babies and um, had difficulties early on, and uh, eventually they became adoptable. And we just naturally they were a natural fit into the family, and they joined our family that way. And then after that we had we had six, so we were. We were good, but God had other plans, and we received a call from from our local CAS saying they had a group of four uh, little girls who they could not find a home for, and uh, would we be willing to um, take them on, and God made it very clear by the doors that he opened that this was what he wanted us to do, so we had um, four new little girls come, and so that made us at 10, 12 in total with Dan and I, so it was a journey, and I mean, God's faithful, so here
0: we are. So I got to ask, like, do you guys need a special license um, for <laughs> no, the vehicles you need to, to, to put all the kids in? No, <laughs>
3: No, we Good. have a 12-seater still... that's full, <laughs> <Beauty>. we're done.
0: <laughs> nice. Um I feel like they
1: just jinxed it by saying they're <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah,
3: as soon as I said that, Chris, like, I realized, no, like, oh, I feel like sorry, Lord, more I'm come. totally open yeah. to the 15-seater, yes. <laughs>
0: the 15-seater, <laughs> whew, that's... <laughs> No, please. don't say no, don't
3: say no. <laughs> Every
0: time Dan says no, God makes him say yes. So, um, so I mean, clearly then kids are important to you guys. Um, and I don't think you, uh, welcome, um, you know, seven kids into the family, uh, without having some value on kids. And so why is it, I, I think, I think, uh, a really strong case can be made that kids are really, really important to God. Yeah. Um, but so tell me how. Uh, kids became so important to you, and and what 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 made it um, so compelling to to open your home and and become uh, a family with a twelve seater van.
3: Yeah, I think um, early on in our marriage and in our in in my life, um, God gave me a heart for kids, which was was evident. We actually we kind of joke about it early on, we had some fertility issues and, and there was a point where we thought, you know, we, this might not happen for us. And obviously (laughs) God said, yes, I'm going to answer those prayers. Don't worry. Um, but I I think Micah six, eight, where God says, you know, what, what does God require of us? And that whole idea of, um, justice was, was, pierced my heart, Mm -hmm. and um, kindness, and walking humbly. I mean, there's nothing more humbling than parenting, as I know, you know, Nate. Yes. (laughs) And I think the justice piece really started to play a role for me when we we had our three biological kids, and it was kind of like, okay, what else does God, what what else can we do to help? And the doors just started to fly open with with fostering, and, and it was that justice piece. Here are a lot of very vulnerable, Um, kids who are not receiving justice Mm -hmm. and they're they're the least of these as that verse you know in matthew and i think that heart just developed over time and dan certainly was was right there with me and the pieces just kind of fell into place
0: uh See Dan, Dan's great, but not necessarily for radio, because Dan's making some faces now that I wish everybody could see. Um, so, so Dan, your face indicates that that was a bit different of a journey, for, a bit different of a journey for you. <laughs> I was a
2: little more of the reluctant follower in that situation.
0: Okay, so, so walk you us through You were there,
3: just a few steps behind.
2: Yes, that would that would be a, a very gracious way of putting it. Um, after God blessed us with the three. Three kids. As far as I was concerned, we were done. Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, we did more than just reproduce ourselves. We, you know, we got the three. Hey, we're we're doing plus one rule. Yeah, the plus one.
2: But like Nicole said, unfortunately, the circumstances and uh, God has a way of making things happen, regardless of how you think they should happen. Absolutely And uh, some members of the family Nicole is much more accepting and opening To where God is leading And some of us are a little more like Jonah um, When it comes to knowing exactly what God wants But doing it with the proper attitude And the proper heart And uh, some of us take a little more time To uh, slide into that role with the right attitude Right So what so when you
1: fled to Tarshish, what brought you back <laughs> in this, uh, in this like, So help, just for any of our listeners who would be maybe thinking about adoption or who maybe struggle to have children on their own, what, what was it that you sensed um, God saying to you to bring you back? Cause I know you said Nicole's very, was very open to it, but you Dan were, was, was resistant. What was the, the deciding thing that God used to bring you back to get on board with this?
2: I don't think there was a deciding thing. I think it's very much time. It's very much um, just the daily circumstances. Um, The kids come in, and as much as I have a wall up, because I don't necessarily want to just automatically love another child, Mm -hmm. he has a way of breaking those things down through the children over time. and. yeah, sometimes it's not easy. Right. Actually, most often it's not easy. But God just keeps doing His thing, and by the grace of God, He's very patient. And through the good days and mostly the bad days, you you just learn to see God's grace in it, and hopefully you can show some of that. Yep. And Nicole's much better at that than I am. But uh, yeah, I'm still I'm still learning, and it's very, very much a process because we, I don't have enough love within me. So yeah, we need to rely on God for that.
0: Yeah. Amen. Um, so I, I mean, we know you and we love you guys and we love your family. Um, but for a lot of our listeners, they might be having the reaction that I had the first time when <laughs> the first time uh, I, I I saw this family with 10 kids. So I, the, the the last four girls actually came in uh, after I had gotten to know your family a bit. Um, but the, I guess the question is, why? Right. So, I, I mean, you've talked about um, justice. And in, in this circumstance, all of the seven children you've brought into uh, as part of the family adopted in have been... Um, uh children to whom justice was lacking yes. um so i know that's a big why but when i say why what i mean is i mean what's kind of the, the mission here what's the what's the what's the big idea what what is it that's kind of driving your your family to to keep expanding and and bringing these kids in
3: um i think one of the questions was why not right i mean god gave us the the means um yeah i mean financially we were able to and we had the space in the house um the van came along i mean there was really no reason not to um and i think as we prayed through these last four girls we were like okay lord please close the door if this is not like slam it shut really fast if this (laughs) is not from you and the doors just kept flying open. So, I mean, he made it very obvious what he wanted us to do. So, from our perspective, it was obedience. Like, okay, I guess we got to... I mean, not that I shouldn't say it like that. Not that we didn't want to, but, you know, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. Yeah. And we didn't certainly go into this um, like some adoptive parents that are, you know, they don't have children and they're extremely excited to begin their family. And we were, we were very excited to bring those girls in, but it was certainly from a different place than some adoptive parents right um, we knew the challenges we knew how tough it was going to be and i think some of that idealism was already gone <laughs> but uh it's been i mean god's blessed us immensely it's a wonderful situation to be in the girls have been a tremendous blessing and we see the fruits of of what god is doing
0: well and i think that's one of the things i i admire about you guys is that uh the gospel really is is central in your your home and you know these these kids that you've brought into the home have an opportunity to hear and, and see the gospel uh, that they wouldn't have got if a Christian family yeah. hadn't opened up their home to them. So I just want to kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, how do you guys go about, so, and walk us through, because some of our listeners will have their own kids that they're, you know, I have young kids that we're just starting to ask the questions, you know, when do you start preaching the gospel to them and how do they start understanding that stuff? So walk us through, how do you make the gospel a centerpiece in your home how do you teach the gospel to your kids? Um, and then how did you when these other girls came in?
3: I think it starts very, very early. I can remember with um, our oldest even, um, someone gave us a, a little devotional book called High Chair Devotions. And I mean, right away, it's, it's the, the Christian walk, the worldview, it's a lifestyle, right? Yeah, so absolutely. it's yeah. intergrained in everything that we do. Um, so yeah I mean it started with devotions sorry is that not a word I don't know. <laughs> he's worried about my word integrate intertwined is that better it's intertwined, intertwined in go. everything that we do now um, you maybe lose my spot right.
1: <laughs> half the words I say on here aren't real anyway so don't worry about it yeah,
3: I think it starts very early. I mean, even conversations that you have with a baby who can't, you think cannot respond to you. They're learning language. They're learning, I mean, the Jesus is a name that they learn very early. And it's just, it's so in everything that we do. Um, We've also chosen to homeschool. And I mean, that is critical to our ability to disciple our kids, because again, it's, intertwined in everything that we do from the curriculum that we choose to the books that we read to the movies that we watch. Um, we're very, very intentional about what our kids are being taught and the messages that we're sending. And yeah, the go- especially with the picture of adoption. I mean, the gospel is center.
0: Absolutely. It sets the goal. So you said a few things that I just kind of want to tug on. Um, and uh, you said you use the word intentional, which I think yeah. is, is key, right? Yeah. One of the things I'm learning uh, as a as a new parent is that uh, especially when you have a crying infant and then, uh, you know, a two year old, uh, there's there's a lot of really easy ways to parent. And that is, you know, throw the TV on for the one while you're dealing with the other and that sort of thing. And You're talking about movies and you're talking about. So talk to me a little bit about that intentionality. You said you're intentional about education, intentional about the movies you're watching. What does what does that look like? Other than just kind of doing doing the hard thing and not doing the easy thing, but like intentional in what ways in terms of movies, in terms of education, in terms of um, what your day looks like, even yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, I we set up. Uh, I don't want to use the word schedule because it's not real. It's not that firm, but a flexible schedule. Um, the kids are all expected to um, to do devotions. They each from our youngest is four. They all have. Something that they are doing where the word is out and they're, you know, learning very early. They learn the books of the Bible and how to find a verse. And, of course, I, one of us will read it to them or an older sibling will read it to them and walk them through it. And that's just a a part of our day that we start with, you know, very early on. Even, you know, the ones in a, even Mercy, who's our very special needs, high special needs child. We do the the high chair devotions with her because they're Mm -hmm. very, very simple it's sort of one aspect of God, and um, so they're, they're all getting something, and they're learning that this is, you know, the content might be very, very simple, but it's more about the process of, okay, I need to be in God's Word every morning. I need to be talking to Him every morning, and the process is, is almost as important as the content there
0: right. for the
3: younger ones. Um, the curriculum that we choose, I mean, science is so huge, right? I, yeah. it's a, we choose very Christian, um, creation-based science curriculum so that they're getting um, that aspect. We'd certainly talk and have discussions, especially with the older kids, about you know um, evolution and, and what other kids are being taught in school, how this is different. And so much of discipleship is relational, right? Like it's, Absolutely. you're yeah. constantly building relationships with your kids. And the more time you can spend with them, the more opportunity you have to do that. And that's a huge reason why we homeschool
0: yeah
1: one of the one of the things i've noticed in families that i've that i've talked to and stuff that i've noticed is difference a difference in your family and so one of the things i've noticed is that your children seem to understand the gospel not just bible stories. so help me understand like how do you how do you start to show them the gospel in a real way versus just reading it as david and goliath and stories in the bible if that makes sense
0: had the moral tales right like yeah, yeah so how, that's... Do
1: you, how do you make it seem real to them well because
3: you use real th- events that are happening in their lives right like when two siblings are fighting and we need to talk about sin well bang there's your opportunity to talk about Christ and what he's done for us and the whole aspect of forgiveness and you know it's it's all the time I think like, it just isn't everything right? right so it's daily daily events it's a constant conversation. Mm-hmm.
1: Wonderful. How, how young do you start asking your kids for responses to the gospel? Like when you're <laughs> teaching them and and working with them, how how young do you we start? Don't. <laughs> we don't.
3: We nice. don't. Um yeah, like I said it's a constant conversation and when that starts to connect, they come to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, and they'll say, "Okay, mama, I, I think I get this. What what exactly, you know, what exactly is this and can you walk me through it?" And saying that prayer is, you know, how, I'm not sure how important that is. Again, it's a daily walk, right? And right. so as they get older, the questions are more in-depth and the the heart, you can see more of it as it starts to expand and accept and realize and you flush it out. But yeah, accepting a response, I don't think we've ever done well, that.
0: And I think that's, that's an important distinction because we live in kind of a... Uh, task-oriented society where you know you you complete this thing for the check mark, right? And and as parents, it's really easy to I prayed that prayer with my kids. You know they got their they got their their ticket to heaven, so to speak. And and there are there are a lot of parents who, a decade later, right, they're they're not seeing the fruit of the gospel actually have taken root in their kids' lives, and they look back with hope that that time that they prayed with them um really did something magical in their lives right and and yet when we read the scriptures we don't see the disciples praying a prayer right we see this ongoing daily you know it's it's obedience it's faith it's it's how you're living and uh and keeping that gospel kind of at the core of your conversations and every reconciliation between two children you're talking about reconciliation and that's uh that's a really good distinction
1: yeah a lot of a lot of families seem to think once they've, once they've said the magic prayer, job's done. And I think what I'm hearing from you, it's a, it's a constant reminder, a constant relationship that you have to foster with them to really teach them how to be like Christ. Yeah. And I think, I think if we can leave any people with anything, is the idea that just like discipleship is a relationship with Jesus, discipleship with your children is a relationship with them, getting to know them, to show Christ to them. And I think that's brilliant that you guys are pointing that out this morning.
0: Um, so I thinking just, I mean, we're, we're a couple of guys who go to the same church. So I would love for uh, you to just kind of talk about what you think the church's role is in, in discipling kids alongside parents. Right. Uh, and, uh, and I was a youth pastor for a long time, so I, I know well the burden that some parents lay on church leaders. You, uh, you disciple my kids. So just talk a little bit about, um, how you see the church's involvement, uh, partnering with parents.
2: We discussed this question. Uh, thankfully, that uh, you gave us a heads up, but we see the church's involvement at the children's level as, and even youth, it's purely supplemental. Right in our
0: yeah, no, I that's uh, for great. for
2: us, um, it's another social sphere for the children. It's a place where. We hope they are learning the Gospel, that they are learning about jesus, God's Word, but the way our family has been set up and the way we're functioning, it is just that it's it's a little extra on Sunday morning for them or on Wednesday night. Um, we don't rely on it,
0: right.
3: Well, and I think as they get older, it's nice to have another voice saying the same things yeah. that we're already saying at home. Yep. Um, and as they, you know, get older and their sphere grows, to have, you know, the pastor and the Sunday school teacher and the youth leaders all saying the same thing. It's like, okay, well, it's not just mom and dad. There's some other people out here who are living this too.
0: Right. And uh, I, it's... It's an interesting, um, I think, just paradigm shift in in parents' minds to be able to to grasp that concept that if church and Sunday school and everything is supposed to supplement what you're already doing at home, I think immediately there are going to be a a lot of us as parents who listen to that and say, oh, wow, so church isn't where my kids get fed. Church um, is kind of the icing on the cake of how they're getting fed throughout the week. And, uh, and sometimes I think parents can get surprised when they get to church and it ends up being a bit of a gong show because none of the kids uh, through, are getting trained throughout the week how to sit and listen to God's word being read, uh, how to sing worship music, how to pray. Uh, and then we're somehow surprised that they're not going to be able to do that at church, and we shouldn't be because for six days a week they're not getting it at home. And if they're not, then um, and and you're relying on being fed there, it's it's like trying to kind of live off one meal a week. So yeah,
1: and it start it starts young too, right? Like um, if if you get in the habit of as a parent, if you if you teach your kid that church is where they get fed. When that child r- grows up, that's gonna. That's how they're gonna live their Christian faith. A Sunday right. Christian. We all we have all seen this person who on Monday morning has no idea how to live his faith out or her faith out during the week, because they've been trained from childhood mm. how how to do this. So I think it's I think it's very important for for families who are listening, people with young kids, to see church as a supplementary thing to their daily faith, and I think that's excellent that you guys are doing that and you you guys take it a step further though you you your kids are involved in in church like I know um your eldest are all involved in the worship ministry at the the church how did you how did you teach them the idea of service so I know in your house that's an easy thing to do but in the church how did you how did you flip that into them serving in the church and showing them the importance of that
3: I think it's a it's a natural outgrowth right of of the word i mean we take what we know and we share it and whether that's teaching or worship or whatever your gifting is the kids all know that that's scriptural right so when you know what the word says it's a pretty easy jumping point to you know an expectation that yeah i got to be serving somewhere
0: um and if you don't mind so you guys have a Pretty busy home, I would imagine. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked at how much busier. It doesn't just double. It gets exponentially more busy with a second child. You'd think that it was just one plus one equals two. But, um, imagine that with ten. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you guys have a pretty busy home. And, and yet, so we're talking about service here. And there's a lot of us. We get caught in this culture of, I'm so busy. And there's a lot of, of Christians and a lot of families who maybe don't plug in the way Scripture might compel them to because of how busy they are. So in a family as busy as yours, um, you know, how, how do you stay connected? How do you stay involved? In whether it be small groups, whether it be your kids serving, whether it be getting your kids out to a youth group, what how did, how did that happen in such a busy home?
3: Well, I think, again, it's, um, I'd use the word intentional, right? It's priorities and intentional. Um, if those things are important, you will make them happen. And, you know, we kind of Put our schedule around okay what's really important what needs to happen and those things go on the calendar first and the other stuff kind of fills in right. so yeah we've made those social outings important and the service aspects and and kind of built around those
1: so in a house full of yours i imagine discipline is a very important thing so but i'm also sure the kids probably get away with a lot right so any thoughts on how to incorporate both discipline and grace into how we change, train our children?
2: We gave up on discipline a long time ago. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. We just couldn't <laughs> keep up with it anymore. <laughs> Dan's no. eyes
0: rolled so bad, no, I think no, they no. came back up the no, other no. side. And-
2: no, we we talked about this one too, and sometimes we're probably trying to be, more disciplinarians than we should be Mm. and the the biggest struggle regardless of the number of kids is to try and balance out grace and i think we are on the side of discipline more than grace a lot of time it's it's a spot that we could uh we both need to work on um as far as there being lots of issues of course there's lots of issues you can't go five minutes rarely without somebody screaming over something um but you deal with what you can and what seems to be the most pressing at the time. And I'm sure there are lots of things that we don't necessarily see or know about or, uh,
3: well, yeah. And I would say that's where God's grace comes in, right? Like we can't be everywhere all the time, but he fills the gaps. And I think we've seen that time and time again. But as far as disciplining, I, I would come back to the whole relationship thing. And if you don't have a relationship with your child, if you're not connecting with your child, then that's probably not gonna go well. But if you do have, if you can connect, if you can empower them in some way with a choice, then you can get to the correction part of it. But, um I think it all starts at relationship and I mean I'm talking from a different perspective maybe with adopted kids who you don't have that relationship right from the get go but even with your own biological kids you got to connect first and Dan's really good with this with you know a sense of humor or, or doing something to get the kids smiling and then you've got an end to to empower and correct hmm. but uh, it's it's difficult it takes a lot of work and again it's you got to be intentional about it
0: you're You're using phrases that are probably ingrained in your brain, but not in all of our brains. So you just use the phrase "empower and correct." what yeah, talk to me about. okay.
3: That. Well, if you're empowering a child, you're giving them a choice. Yeah, Dan's showing me. i uh, a book we we came across a few years ago called "The Connected Child by Karen Purvis is a wonderful. Um, a resource for for anybody out there. It's it's meant for kids who are um, Have come from hard places whether that's adoption or foster care or whatever, but it's certainly the the principles um, Follow through to your own biological children as well and basically her Her whole theory is that if you can have a relationship if you can connect if you can get that child in a good space mentally then you have an opportunity to go to the next step which would be to empower them. Let's make them feel that they have some aspect of control here. You're obviously the parent and you're the one who um, is giving them those choices. But if you're know, if you with a two-year-old who is having a fit over what they want to wear in the morning and you give them a choice between the red skirt or the blue jeans, you're empowering them because you've just given them a choice. Right. Once Instead you've... of
0: fighting the blue jeans on them. A- exactly. Yeah.
3: yeah. And then correcting, of course, would be, okay, now we have to go back and we got to talk about that tantrum that you just had. How could we do it better next time? How could we, what should this have looked like? That's the whole correcting piece. And, um, yeah, the more you kind of are, again, I'll come back to that word intentional. If you walk it through, instead of your gut reaction is to get angry and, and to deal from just your emotional place. If you can kind of contain that and say, okay, what does this child really need? Um, Our special needs daughter, Mercy, um, is very easy to react with anger when she does something. But if you look at it from her perspective, most of the time she has language processing issues. So if you say something to her and she doesn't understand, her automatic reaction is to get aggressive with you. And that's because she's in a place of somewhat of fear because she doesn't understand what you just said. So she's reacting to that if you have her perspective you respond a lot differently than when you just say hey She just disobeyed me. I'm angry about that. Right,
0: so I I'm just gonna bare my soul for a second here Um, we have a a two-year-old at home uh, and um, So one of my natural uh, reactions in parenting is um, You know, there's a couple different types of things you can discipline a child for right so um, Quinn spills the milk right and i get angry about that because she spilled the milk and i have to clean it up right and everything's gonna be sticky and you know i maybe have to be out the door in two minutes and and all that kind of stuff but that's not a behavioral problem so much as that's a an accident that's a mistake right Right. and then to be honest with you some of the, the harder discipline is is things like rebellion when she says no and then the temptation sometimes by me is just to give in because I don't want to have that fight with her. So my natural inclination is to discipline the wrong thing and to let her get away with the wrong thing. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yep. So um, can, you, can you help sort that out? Just, you know, how have you figured that out? Or maybe I, I shouldn't say figured it out because I, I know you guys are humble enough to say you haven't, But <laughs> yeah, never. Um, but how have you guys been navigating that? Well, I see you nodding as I'm, as well, I'm describing I think, the, the situation. Yeah.
3: You have to figure out right away. Was it intentional or was it accidental? Because yeah, you're automatic when the spilt milk happens, um, assuming that that's not the third spilt milk yes, and yes. you know, you can tell when it's intentional <laughs> yes, um, you can. because it's about the heart, right? Are they really meaning to defy and to be disobedient or are they just clumsy and you know, that's frustrating. Yeah. And then that's all about us, right? Exactly. Our reaction. Exactly. Um, but if you can look at the heart and say, okay, is this defiance? And if it is, then that's what where we need to meet them is, is at that place. And that's where the connecting comes in. Right. Because if you've got a child who's angry, you're not going to get anywhere until you've made a connection with them. And you can get them in a place where they're willing to hear right. what you're willing to say. What you're right. going to say.
0: What I one of the things I'm slowly learning is that so much about, of about that is you're talking about connection um, is just even just getting down on their level. Like if Absolutely. I, you know what I mean. If I get down and I make Quinn look me in the eyes, yes. you know that it it does wonders rather than yelling from up above as I'm or like another room. My, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which also happens. It does. We're yeah. human. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that's good. And and I, so I hear you kind of talking about getting at roots, right? So with mercy, it, her aggression isn't the root. The root there is, you know, not understanding yeah. and it's fear, fear. right? Yeah. Or, or is the spilled milk, is that defiance or is that clumsiness, right? So get to the root of what's going on here and, and I think we have a tendency to correct behavior as opposed to kind of get to the yeah. heart.
3: Well, because it's somewhat easier. It takes it tot- time. It's totally easier. It takes yeah. time to get to the root.
0: Yeah. That's that's really good. That's really helpful.
1: Yeah. It's a it's a good picture too, because a lot of what Christians even at, at our age fail with is we're good at behavior modification, not heart change. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? And that, yeah. I think that's what I'm hearing you guys say, that by having the relationship with your child you can get to the heart so you can help them their, them see their heart change, not just correct behaviors because we know that as soon as they leave for college at that point, all those behaviors are flooding right back, right? Yeah.
0: And, so. and it's almost like if, if as parents we spend our whole time um, working on behavior modification, right? Then all we're doing really is training up Pharisees, right? Because this is what Jesus was saying this to the Pharisees, right? You've heard it said, don't do this, but I tell you, don't do this, Right. Anyone who's committed, uh, who looks at a woman lustfully, has committed adultery in his heart. So he's talking about the heart issue, and that's what the Pharisees weren't getting. So uh, that's a, it's a scary thing to think that uh, we might be, despite some of our best efforts, raising up Pharisees. And so it does take, it does take a little bit more work to try to get to the heart of the issue, and that's where the gospel comes in. And and so one other thing I kind of wanted to unpack there, um, actually two more things. I got I I got a whole lot. I I'm just you know listening to what you're saying. Um, You've so. six. Okay, so we got uh, oh tune in for part two. No. Um so you you talked a little bit about all the things you don't see, Dan. <laughs> you said, right? You said you don't see everything when you're when you're talking about discipline and I'm sure there's lots of stuff that we don't see. And then Nicole you talked about, you know, that's where God kind of fills in the gaps. He's always there. So, I mean, especially with 10 kids. I mean, how important is relying on and knowing for yourselves the doctrine of God's sovereignty? I mean, how important is that to parents?
2: Well, at the end of the day, I think it's absolutely crucial to our sanity. Yeah. Um, But again, just, just... I'm not really sure. I'm trying to process all this and a lot of uh, we have the best intentions every morning when we wake up. Yeah. But we are terribly sinful as parents and every situation some we handle well, some we handle poorly and we have to trust in God's sovereignty. That uh, we do the best with what we've got, trusting in Him, and hopefully, hopefully by the grace of God, our our desires that each of our kids will follow Him, mm-hmm. regardless of what else happens. But um, I can't imagine. I can't imagine not. Um, not relying on the sovereignty of God. Just like that would be maddening. Yeah. Absolutely maddening to think it's 100% us. Yeah. Because how terrifying. Well, yeah, our children wouldn't stand a chance if it was completely up to us.
0: Yeah. Thank goodness for a sovereign God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing I, I kind of wanted to just, you've said it a couple times now, uh, talking about adoption, right? So seven of your kids have been adopted and, and you know, I, I've had the privilege of dedicating several of your adopted kids, and uh, and it's always been really powerful as I think about that, um, what a powerful picture of the gospel that is. Mm-hmm. So he, you just, I know this is something that's near and dear to your heart, so um, I just, you know, without a question, why don't you just kind of t- talk to us a little bit about that or, or what impact uh, it's had on your own understanding of, of the goodness of God and the grace mm-hmm. of God. Uh, and the gospel itself by uh, by walking through adoption.
3: Well, it's just such a wonderful picture for everybody. Um, you know, what we can offer to these kids is, um, in a sense, what we've been offered right. from God. And, you know, the whole aspect of choosing, you know, we chose for you to come and join our family. Well, hey, guess yes. what? God chose us. Amen. And it's just been—it's been a very powerful illustration um, of the gospel, and um, just so many because we have so many adopted kids and so many different stories of adoption. It's a constant theme that runs through the house because you know somebody's always talking about their story in some sense, and and it's um, just every opportunity. Again, it's being intentional to bring that back to the gospel. Yeah. So it's, it's just a theme, I think, that runs through the house.
0: I, uh, it just you know As you're sitting there talking, I, I just uh, Ephesians 1 comes to mind. Uh, and starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him for the mm-hmm. foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And like, what, a, what an amazing thought to think that, you know, in God's family, uh, of which none of us earned our way in. Yeah. Um, God, not because of anything that we had done, not because of anything that we merited, um, loved us and brought us in. And uh, I always said that I understood something different about the gospel uh, when, when I first saw Quinn, right? So here's this child that was just born and the doctor, you know, brings her over and you look at her and you realize instantaneously, everybody else in my life, um, I fell in love with, right? You learn some stuff about them, you begin to um, admire things about them, you, you fall in love with them. But children, it's the first thing, you look at them and you love them not because of anything they've done or anything that they are, you just love them. And, uh, and suddenly you understand something different about the gospel where we didn't have to earn God's love. Yeah. And it, it was, it, it's just so powerful. Um, so children really are a blessing. Mm. And, uh, and it's amazing that uh, you guys still think so after 10. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, one question I just wanted to back up a little bit. You said you pointed out that you guys are aware that you're still sinners and still doing, you know, not always the right thing. How just practically, I I know that this is not something that a lot of families that I know do and practice, but when you, when you do sin against your children or discipline them for behavior instead of the heart issue, do you actively go and ask their forgiveness?
3: There's been lots of times we've both done that. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's good. And, a, that and a, a, to be honest, that is part of that connection with them, right? Where they see you as not just the authoritarian, but as a human being who makes mistakes. And um, to be able to go and to ask for forgiveness, they see you on a different level, and that connection just becomes deeper.
0: Absolutely. That's fantastic. I, anything you want to add to that, Dan?
2: it's really hard (laughs) to ask forgiveness from your kids. Yeah. And sometimes I do it quicker than other times, (laughs) depending on what it is. And it is a goal to try and we do strive for that. Um, But I'm a terribly prideful and uh, selfish person. So that's, that's something that uh, God is continually working on because it, has to happen more often than we'd all like to admit, Um, but it does make a big difference when you do just in the way that your kids look at you, Mm -hmm. Uh, when you do acknowledge, as a parent, I was completely wrong in that situation.
0: I, I know you guys wouldn't say this, so I'm going to say it to you. I just want to talk to the listeners just for a second here because one of the things I really admire about you guys is I think you have a good grasp on this. This is a I think it's a biblical principle, and I think you guys have a good grasp on it. And I know Dan's rolling his eyes at me already, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Psalm 127 tells us that, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, uh, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. And I think you guys grasp that concept. So what that's telling us is is that our children are our weapons, right? The weapons that God gives us in order to um, bring about the change on the earth that He wants to see. That go go and make disciples. You know, take, take get the, get me the nations. You know, um, make sure that the the world bows down to King Jesus. Changing culture, changing people's hearts through the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. I think you guys get this more than most families I know. And so I just want to talk to our listeners for a second. And wherever you are, uh, whether you are a parent, uh, a hope to be parent, uh, or wherever you are, um, children are a blessing. And so uh, get involved either in the families in your church like Dan and Nicole's family. uh, Get involved in children's ministry. Have kids of your own. Adopt kids. Foster kids because they are the weapons that God gives us in order to um, affect change in the world around us. And I think you guys are doing an awesome job. And I know it might not always seem like it, but uh, we're so grateful that you came on and and shared a little bit of your story with us. And I think that will be really, really helpful to some of the uh, listeners who have a lot of questions about how to get the gospel to go deep in their family. And uh, we'll keep praying for you guys. And uh, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we have uh, uh, just a, a few seconds left. Did, do you have like a, a Christian life hack or any of our closing segments for us here, Chris? No, I don't want to
1: take away from what, what's what been said here today because I think it's been very helpful, very practical for a lot of our listeners, whether they have kids or don't have kids, just know that the, the great commission and the fulfillment of that begins at home, begins with your family, with your children. You have to teach them how to be disciples first so that they can then go out and make disciples of their own and i think that's just a great way to to end this episode
0: amen
2: you've been listening to the rebel alliance podcast where we equip you to engage culture through a biblical worldview
1: please take the time to subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app write a review and leave a five-star rating. if you would like to see all of our content which includes podcast episodes uploaded to itunes each wednesday and short videos about engaging culture released on Facebook each Friday, please visit us online at rebelalliancemedia.com. We love hearing from you, so if you have questions, comments, or would like to suggest episode topics, send us a message on Facebook or email us at info at Thanks for joining us, and you may now consider yourself part of the Rebellion.